Tech Talk. Tech Talk. With Jess Kelly. This, this is News Talk. Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up this week, John Riley reviews one of the most anticipated PS5 games to date. We'll hear from Samsung about the work that went into producing their foldable phones. And Dairy Master will join me to talk about their expanding workforce. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. On Tuesday's Pat Kenny show, I gave my first impression review of the Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3. And if you missed it, the upshot is I like it a lot. And I feel this is a true sense of innovation within the smartphone world, which is to be welcomed. And joining me now to talk through the innovation and the production process is Quentin Doran O'Reilly, the head of product management for Samsung Electronics in Ireland. Uh, Quentin, you're very welcome to the show. Uh, Samsung has been working on a foldable lineup for a number of years now. Why is it that the company has persisted with it? Is it a case of just because it can be done? Is it because you're looking to push the smartphone market? Or is it just a case of sure, why not? It's all of that, Jess, and, and it's it's a lot more beside. As you say, Samsung concentrate or, or really focus on continuous innovation. Everything we do is to make people's lives better and easier through technology. And that's what we try to bring to our devices, whether it's from the, the brand new Galaxy Z Fold 3, where it's just a powerhouse of productivity, offering not just your regular smartphone experience on the front screen, but once you open it out, you get a full tablet experience, which of course opens up a whole world of extra productivity and entertainment options. Um, Or the Galaxy Z Flip, which um, is very much a, a style shout and something that people have been asking for for quite some time. And we've we've brought on a whole raft of innovations to that since we last talked about the Galaxy Z Flip, which was only about a year ago. Mm-hmm. So between the two of them, um, they're, they're offering something appreciably different to our consumers and something new and a whole raft of, of new user cases as well. I've been using the uh, Z Flip 3 for the last week or so and I was speaking to Pat Kenny here on News Talk about it during the week and what I said to Pat was that this is the one I think I can see in the hands of pretty much everybody although you know there is the, the, the novelty aspect I suppose although it is a very fashionable phone in terms of functionality and form factor I just think it is one of the most exciting, most innovative phones that we've seen in quite a while. And yes, there have been previous versions of the Flip, but I think the improvements on the 3 really kick it up in terms of what I would want. And the big thing is that the size of the screen when it's folded over, so the front-facing screen. Can you just talk to us a little bit about how Samsung went about tweaking on the previous version to try and kick that on so that you do have a beautiful, cool-looking phone that is also highly functional as well. It really, really is. So you're right. We, we've we kept the form factor, first and foremost, because that whole flip form factor is what something that 
people get really excited about it and they remember using flip phones from 10 or 15 years ago. But of course, the functionality that you had in those old flip phones wouldn't be enough for what people need and want now. So we've kept the flip, but what we've done is introduced a notification panel on the front of the device, which is four times bigger than its predecessor, which makes it a much more usable space. And it means that a lot of the time you don't even have to open the phone to view messages or change tracks on your media or to open up your NFC payment on your phone so you can just tap the screen and then tap the payment terminal. But when you open it, what you're doing is opening up whole new world you get to open up to a 6.7 inch full super dynamic super amoled screen which is just incredibly sharp and clear and beautiful to look at um, and we've also made a couple of tweaks for the devices um, robustness because one of the key feedbacks we got from consumers was that they were worried about the fact that this is a foldable glass screen, which is very, very cool. And, mm -hmm. and technically, it, it's, it's an amazing thing to be able to say. But people worry about having glass on, on a foldable screen. That's might crack. So we've made the device much tougher and much robust. We've added a frame with a, a metal alloy called armor and aluminium, which is the strongest metal frame, aluminium frame you'll see on any smartphone. We also have the same on the Z Fold 3 as well. The glass itself is um, covered with a protective film called uh, PET or polyethylene terafiaethylate. Right, I'll leave so that pronunciation that to you. <laughs> for short. Um, we also have Gorilla Glass Victus, which again is incredibly tough and incredibly robust. And it's exactly what consumers are looking for mm -hmm. um, in, in terms of, of robustness and, and, and durability. Before we came on air, you were reminding me that the last sort of real life in-person meeting we had before the pandemic was with each other. You and I sat down and we talked through the full suite of Samsung devices. And I remember so clearly asking you about the durability of the flip and the fold last year's version or the older version. And you had stats around, you know, how many times you can unfold the screen because that type of stuff had been tested. I know some people on Twitter and Instagram when I posted about the new phones were asking, you know, after a thousand unfolds, is the top part of the screen going to come off in your hand? So from the durability of the hinge side of things, what do we know about that? Lots and lots. Uh, first of all, the, the, the stat has gone up a little bit. So both the Galaxy Z Flip 3 and the Galaxy Z Fold 3 have been tested uh, uh, so that we know that you are absolutely fine to open and close that show the, the, the hinge mm. 200,000 times okay without it breaking so you're well and truly covered on that one and if you're anything like me the novelty of being able to do so for the first three or four weeks of having the device it's just as well that mm -hmm. we have guaranteed that sort of level because all you want to do is open and close it because it's folding glass and again <laughs> it's really cool but it's not just the the, the hinge that, that we've we've uh, improved upon. But I'm going to stay on the hinge, if I may, for a few seconds, yep. because actually it's a really noteworthy piece of engineering. Um, when we talked about the 
hinged last year. It was the first time we'd done it. And in terms of technical and feat of engineering, it's mind blowing. You have the phone in essentially three different parts. You've got the top part of the phone, the bottom part and the hinge, and they're three separate elements. And to bring all that together and make sure that you're adding bits of durability, like the fact that these devices are IPX8, which means that despite the fact that you've got a hinged element, these are now water resistant. So you could drop either your Galaxy Fold 3 or your Galaxy Z Flip 3 into a puddle of water, which is anything up to a meter and a half deep and leave it there for half an hour. And they're completely protected uh, because of the, the um, the water resistant elements that we've introduced into the hinge. The hinge itself is built of that again, armor aluminium with a whole series of elements in it, including little brushes. And we've made them smaller than we had in the Galaxy Z Fold 3, for example, to make them much more efficient in terms of keeping dust and, and uh, moisture out of the hinge. We've also covered all the elements of the hinge with a special lubricant so that even if it does get wet, it's not going to rust or get damaged. Mm -hmm. So we've put an awful lot of thought into making sure that these are not just incredibly beautiful and functional devices, but that they're not going to let you down either. Yeah, I have to say, as, as I said at the top, I've been using it for a week or so now, and I really like it. Like the, I've been trying to find faults with it or things to moan about and I'm just excited to use it I enjoy using it and I also appreciate when it's folded over it fits in the front pocket of my jeans and I don't think I've had a phone that could do that since the Nokia 3310 so I very much appreciate that aspect of it as well and um, I, I want to ask with all the innovation and all of the improvements that have been made how has Samsung managed to bring the price down? Because this phone is just over a thousand euro, which is very much in line with the the, the flagship, the other flagships um, that that we've kind of come to know and expect. So, how can we get this level of innovation for a thousand euro? It's really lovely to see, and, and you're right. I mean, uh, the the current Z Fold three now retails for one thousand and ninety nine euro, which is five hundred euro less than its predecessor, which is only a year ago. And all tech takes a little while to come down in price once you're introducing new elements to it. Um, and it's simply that it's it's as we refine the process of production, then we can start to democratize technology like foldable glass screens uh, on our smartphones and, and make them open to everybody. But even at that, um, you know, flagship prices of, of a little over a thousand euro are quite a, a punchy ask sometimes, which is why we have got a full portfolio of devices, everything from your Galaxy A02 and A12 right the way up to the flagship's Galaxy Z Fold 3 as well. There's something there for everybody. And what we try to do right across the portfolio is make sure that you have a really premium experience. But of course, as you go up the, the, the value chain, then you get a little bit more like your 120 hertz Super mm. AMOLED screens or your, your IP X8 and, and features like that. Uh, we want to just talk briefly about the, the Fold, which is the, the flagship in this range. So the Flip is the one that we were talking about to begin with. That's the one that kind of closes in on top of itself. 
having the size of the frame. It's it's very, very compact. Uh, as I mentioned, a lot of people are talking about it almost as a fashion accessory, but I actually think that's a little bit unfair. I think it's just a brilliant phone and a brilliant piece of innovation. But the, the flagship, as I mentioned, is the Fold 3. This is the phone that looks like a standard smartphone when you look at it face on, but then you can open it out into that tablet-like experience. And um, You've known me for quite a few years now. You know that I love the Note range. Is this replacing the Note? Is this for those customers who previously would have loved the Note? Um, I think it certainly goes an awful long way in 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 satisfying that need, particularly in H2 this year when there isn't a new Note product. But we've introduced, as you say, that Note functionality into other devices like the Galaxy Z Fold 3 and indeed the Galaxy S21 Ultra earlier on in the year as well. This The Fold is a phenomenal device, so you can use it, as you say, just like a regular smartphone it's got a beautiful 6.2 inch uh, super amoled screen in fact dynamic amoled screen on the front but when you want to do a little bit more you open it out and all of a sudden you've got a 7.6 inch tablet in front of you that works with an s pen and still has that dynamic amoled screen on it with um a device that's lighter and thinner than its predecessor as well so it's it's always nice to be moving forward with these devices. Yeah, I um, only got my hands on the Fold last night. And the thing that I, I was like a child playing with it, because when you say, for example, if I take a photograph with the phone folded over, so it just looks like a standard smartphone, I take a picture, I'm looking at the picture on the front screen, I can then open it out and the same image appears in the middle screen. There's that continuity. You don't have to go back into your gallery and find the image. It's just it's exactly like what you said there. It's an extension of the front screen, which is very, very useful. I did notice, however, it is still, although it's lighter, it is quite a heavy phone. And because of the fold aspect, it's a little bit bulkier, I suppose, than the, the, the standard smartphone. So these are considerations that people would have to keep in mind. But it's very much, it sounds like it's very much a focused audience that you guys have in mind for this device. It's a productivity tool, first and most. Actually, I'll go back to what you were saying. First of all, yes, it does that with all the applications. So if you open up an application, if you open up an application on your front screen, when you open up the main screen, that app will automatically transfer to the to, to, to the main screen as well, which gives you a lot more screen real estate. And if you're taking photos, as you say, you can turn on a function called dual preview so that you can not only see the pictures as you're taking them, you can see the last two shots on screen as well. And if you're taking a picture of a person, they can see the pictures that you're taking because it'll utilize the front screen as well. So there's lots and lots of really cool tech built into it. And a lot of that is facilitated by the new chipset that we've put in. We've put in the Snapdragon 888, which as you know, is a five nanometer processor. Um, and it's incredibly fast. And it's given us the capability of bumping up the NPU part of the uh, device by about 80%, which is colossal and facilitates a huge amount of this sort of uh, AI technology, which allows you to have your uh, multiple cameras and multiple screens all going at the same time, which of course makes it a hugely valuable tool in terms of productivity. And then you start wrapping in things like the S Pen mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it just becomes an entirely 
different device. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the S Pen. I love a stylus, a huge fan of it. Um, in, in one thing that we heard, I pay, played a clip last week from the launch and we heard um, Connor Pierce of Samsung say that the the selfie camera, there's no longer that sort of big noticeable hole on, on the front of your phone, whether it is in the uh, sort of traditional phone looking thing or when it's opened out as well. You've managed to almost bury the, the selfie camera so it's not obstructing your view if you are watching something on Netflix or if you're on, you know, a spreadsheet, whatever it is. Uh, that is another sense of innovation that Samsung has managed to capture on this device. It's one of the world's firsts that we've included in the build for the Galaxy Fold 3. Um, and yes, a, a hidden underscreen camera on the main display when you open it is, it just gives you a much more immersive feel. So if you're taking a photograph with the, the, uh, the underscreen camera on the main display, then you can quite clearly see the camera, um, the, the screen clears to let you see where you should be looking or where you should be pointing. But if you're watching a movie or playing a game, um, this camera all but disappears. So the, the pixels over the camera light up to start reflecting the, the screen, the, 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 the media that you want to look at and the camera becomes totally hidden. It's a lovely little tweak. We have a couple of other firsts built in there as well, like the fact that this is the first foldable um, device that has an IPX rating, or like the fact that it's the first foldable that we've ever had that supports S Pen. Again, it's about innovation. It's the fact that we're continuously trying to add more f features and more benefits so that our customers get um, a better experience on the device. Mm. One thing I want to ask, because I haven't actually used it enough yet to know, but how is the battery life on the Fold? Because you're dealing with a lot of screen and the clarity on the screen from what I've seen is incredible. So how is battery with the, the, the two different screens? Actually, it's really good. And you're right, uh, the, 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 screen is, the screen is actually 29% brighter than its predecessor but that's because it's a dynamic AMOLED screen. And one of the beautiful things about the dynamic AMOLED screen is that, again, using that DNPU from the, the, the really fast processor, is it knows what you're doing. So if you're just reading a static web page, like, you know, uh, news or news or, or a blog, well, then the refresh rate on the device drops to about 10 hertz, so that it's using much less battery. If you're using... It, to watch a movie, it'll bump up to about 60 hertz. But if you're gaming, it'll jump up to 120 hertz. And all of that just gives you, um, it means that the phone is using only as much battery as it needs to. And actually it gives you a really positive net effect on battery usage as a result. Um, I don't have the full stat on battery use, but I know despite the fact that it's a bigger, it's a brighter screen, you're getting the same life that we had before, which is a phenomenal technical achievement. Mm -hmm. um, I want to ask a little bit about, because you mentioned it earlier on, the full suite of phones that Samsung offers now. So you have the A range, you have the S range, and now we have the, the Z range, which is the foldable phones. One thing that we've noticed Samsung do in years gone by is cram as much tech into those lower end devices so that although you're not paying the premium price you are still getting a really good camera or a really good battery or a really nice design will we see 
and I'm not saying like right now, but over time, will we see, you know, foldable phones creep into the likes of the A range or will it be always kept entirely separate? I think what you've seen in our portfolio over the last few years is some of the really, really big flagship uh, features start to to bleed into the rest of the Samsung ecosystem. So things like 5G, which you would only have found in our most premium of phones last year. Uh, it started with the S10 plus 5G, and then you saw it creep into the S-series with the S20 range and the S21 range. Now you have 5G in less than 18 months later, in devices like the Galaxy A22 5G and our newly announced A52S 5G. So in less than 18 months, you've seen some really important, impressive tech come right the way down into our uh, entry and into our mid-tier. So it's something we continuously endeavor to do, bring those flagship features down into um, into uh, the the entry and mid-tier. So who knows what will happen in, in the future? That's a nice, uh, that'll keep us guessing and we'll have to just wait and see <laughs> if that happens. Um, I want to talk briefly just about the, some of the accessories that we got um, last week. So we have the new watch and we have the new Galaxy Buds. And as you know, I'm a huge fan of the Galaxy Buds range. I have been since the word go. I think the Buds Live are still my favourites out of the entire range. However, the Buds 2, which are the new ones, the design is beautiful and they sit so comfortably in the ear. Um, talk to me a little bit about the innovation in that space and why it's important for you guys to have the headphones, the watch to go alongside the phones. You know, could you could easily just stick with the phone lineup and not bother with the accessories. We, we absolutely could. But one of the things that we've been looking at continuously over the last few years is our ecosystem and adding value and it, it isn't just adding devices for the sake of adding devices again it all feeds into making our customers lives better through technology and by introducing the new buds they're building on a whole um uh family of devices that we've been working on for the last three or four years now and now with the new buds too we've introduced all those features that you would have seen in some of the flagship products uh, for Buds over the last couple of years, like active noise cancellation. Uh, we've made them lighter than any of the Buds we've ever had before. And the kicker for the Buds too is they're now going to be the most entry level Buds in our portfolio with all these, again, flagship features in them, which is a really nice step forward. We want to make sure that people get a full experience of our devices. So our buds and our watch work seamlessly well with our phones and our tablets and our new Note PC range as well. For example, if I'm looking at a movie or playing a game on my tablet and my phone rings, my buds will automatically switch over to my connect and connect with my phone when I answer the call. And you'll see that sort of interoperability right across the range. And it's just all built to make people's lives a little bit better, a little bit easier, which is very much what our, our end goal is. 
I could talk tech with you all day long and I think I pretty much have now at this stage. Um, but I am very excited about this lineup. I do think it is a great sense of innovation uh, within the smartphone industry. I've said before, there's only so many ways you can describe a standard looking phone with a nice screen and a good battery. So at least the flip and the fold give us something new to talk about, which is very, very exciting. Uh, we are going to have a full review of the Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 on Tech Bytes. That's our new YouTube series. You can watch it now. Uh, Quentin Dorado already from Samsung. Thank you so much for your time as always. Thanks, Jess. Coming up next, John Riley reviews one of the most anticipated PS5 games of the year. Tech Talk. Tech Talk. Rate and subscribe. Tech Talk at Newstalk.com, as ever, is the email address if you want to get in touch with the show, or you'll find me on Twitter at Jess Kelly NT. Uh, John Riley of TheEffect.net is back with me with a review of a game that has been highly uh, anticipated, I think, by fans. Uh, John, how are you? Good, how are you, Jess? I'm really good now. Um, tell us, what are we talking about today? Today, um, we can kind of, we see the launch of uh, Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut. So this is a PlayStation 4 slash PlayStation 5 launch of a game. So the, the Director's Cut part of the title means that we originally got the launch of Ghost of Tsushima last July, but now fast forward to August 20th, and we now have what they call the Director's Cut, which from a branding point of view, is slightly strange because it doesn't necessarily mean that the original game is changing or you're getting any additional content, but it it is adding a lot more features, be it for PS4 owners or even for PS5 owners that get to really use the new powerful consoles kind of capabilities and the controller, which is you know really impressive, is getting you know to the most out of that kind of aspect of the game. But it's, it's slightly convoluted, but in the end, it's 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 a good addition to what was an extremely popular game from last July. Yeah, we had an email into Tech Talk at Newstalk, Audrey McNally, and she was wondering if this is worth buying for her son who has a PS5. So, would you say that if this if if people didn't play the game last year, this new version, and if you have the PS5, is absolutely worth going for? Yeah, exactly. If 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 her, if her son is starting from scratch and she hasn't uh, bought him uh, Ghost of Tsushima on the PS4 which you could then obviously just up, upgrade to the PS5 for like 30 euro, I think. But if it's, a, it's a, if it's a clean start, your son has the PS5 and he's interested in Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut, yeah, I'm actually quite jealous of him being able to experience it from the beginning on the new console with the, the, the controller and its adaptive triggers and the, the haptic feedback and all that, bells and whistles. The visuals are 4K, 60 frames per second. Some people mightn't give a crap about that. But to me, on a, on a good TV, it looks absolutely jaw-dropping, yeah. Let's talk through a little bit of the story of the game. Set it up for us. So basically, it's based on uh, what is actually a real island off the coast of Japan, Tsushima Island. And it's set back, oh God, I can't get the, I think it's in the 8th century. Maybe, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong. Uh, but you, you literally take control of a samurai called Jin Sakai. And it's your job to kind of push back the invading Mongols. Um, like kind of along the lines of Kublai Khan and Genghis Khan. So they're trying to, to kind of wage war on this uh, Japanese island and your job, along with kind of some partners and, and you know, fighters and that will help you to push back these these uh, invaders. So, as I said, hugely successful last year, incredible art style. You know, anyone that's seen a video of it, if you haven't, have a look. You can just see how visually stunning it is. Just it's very artistic. It gets that Japanese kind of culture really well. The, the, the kind of the landscapes, the sweeping vistas um, and just 
the, the environments are alive in this title. Like the wind is always blowing, and as as mad as that sounds, when you when you're playing the game, there's the the leaves and the trees, the the, the kind of the, the the palms or the the kind of the grasses on the grasslands. They're all continuously moving, so you always feel like the world is alive. So that partnered with you know really really precise gameplay where you, you as you said you're a samurai so you really got to hone your skills time your 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 attacks all that kind of thing you know really kind of carry that through to to, to the players and they really got this ex, you know experience that many, not many people have had in terms of controlling a samurai in in, in ancient japanese times mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's it really kind of won over a lot of critics when it when it came out last year and i think to this day it's so it's sold over six and a half million copies so hugely successful just for for playstation owners o- only available on playstation consoles in terms of the gameplay, uh, you mentioned at the top there, particularly in relation to the email from Audrey, that like the PS5, you are getting to utilise a lot of the features of the PS5. I assume, based on what I've read on your review on the Effect.net, that um, like it is a joy to play. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's 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 if you're if anyone listening was a fan of the original, this is like I don't want to say more of the same because that doesn't necessarily sell it, but it technically is. But it just gives you more time to spend in this world and kind of interact with new characters on, on this new expansion that they've they've brought. So part of this director's cut, both for the PlayStation Four title and now this new PS Five title, there's a there's a new expansion or expansion of an island called Iki Island, which in itself is also a real island off the coast of Japan. So it's a smaller island than Tsushima, but on this island you're taking on another mongol threat in the name of the eagle is her name she's like a shaman she uses kind of witchcraft almost to control her 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 warriors and it's your job then to kind of get to this island to stop them invading Tsushima. so you know kind of getting back into that narrative back into that world and kind of dealing with a lot of the struggles that the main character Jin had dealt with in the previous game being brought over to this game. It's a nice continuation and the guys at Sucker Punch, which is the name of the studio that made this game, really know how to kind of weave a good narrative together and to kind of create these more morally ambiguous kind of, is this the right thing to do? Am I doing the right thing by kind of seeking revenge for certain characters? All these kind of um, narrative uh, threads are really well woven, as I said. So yeah, it's 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 just, it's a really, really solid title. And you know, I can see anyone that's kind of coming to it new, kind of falling in love with it and as i said running on the ps5 with all the bells and whistles yeah it's it's really pretty one of the things i noticed when i was uh now i didn't play for long to be honest with you but when i was um in the bit that i have interacted with it it really does tap into that sort of cinematic feel again everything about it just looks beautifully yeah, it's like the, the developers knew that they had to pay homage to, to, to kind of all the Japanese cultures, to the old Japanese uh, kind of samurai films of, of of the past, to the point where there's like specific filters on the game where you can change it to, or I want to get his name right, Kurosawa. He's one of the most famous Japanese directors of all time. So you can actually have the game play in black and white with, with the wind turned up because that was the staple of this director's kind of movies. They were very, very um, atmospheric, very windy for some reason, but just to add real atmosphere. So you can actually flick a switch in the settings to turn on this black and white setting. The game looks like it's an old Kurosawa movie. And now with the PS5, title in particular of the director's cut they have added what what is the japanese lip syncing because that's even so previously there was a japanese kind of audio track up for, for for the voices in the game but the people's mouths were moving to english dialogue whereas now for the real diehards the real kind of fanatics they can have this game play with black and white with a kind of a filter almost to make it look like an old movie the japanese dialogue with the japanese character models so it's it's as if you're actually playing an old historic japanese movie from you know an epic basically of scale so all that attention to detail is really paying off for the diehard fans out there 
for those who are uh, using still, who are on the PS4, will they, like, what are you losing out on by having the PS4 versus the PS5 version? Well, if you have, so if you if you never bought it on the PS4, you can still get the director's cut for PS4. So it's available on both consoles. And if, if as I said earlier, if you ha- if you bought it on the PS4 and you want to just upgrade to the director's cut on the PS4, that's only 20 euro only. Uh, so you will get access to that Iki Island expansion that I mentioned. You'll also get kind of new features, new characters to interact with, new missions and kind of new animals to pet, as mad as that sounds, but people love that stuff on Twitter. And then kind of aside from even the director's cut that is coming to the game free for everyone. You don't have to spend a cent. So that'll kind of add alternate kind of controller layouts. Some people had issues with the way the controller was was letting you control the characters. So you can now, you've got a new lock-on feature and a few other kind of bits and bobs are are added free of charge. So really this director's cut in inverted commas is giving... The, the value you're going to be getting is from this expansion of, of Iki Island, where you can go and do more adventuring, more kind of character you know, meetings, and you can kind of take on new enemies. So I guess if you have a PS5 and you're lucky to have picked up one, you will get the better visuals. So like you'll, get, you'll just see an instant step up in, in terms of how, how, how the game looks. As I said, you're going from 30 frames per second to 60. So mm. you're doubling the frame rate. So everything looks buttery smooth. So as you run through these open vistas, everything is just much smoother, much more visually striking. And, the, you know, you're getting almost 4K visuals too. So on a nice 4K TV, you, it just looks the part and you just can't necessarily achieve those visual, that visual quality on the PS4 or even the PS4 Pro. Mm. It just can't really compete with what the PS5 can do. So if you have one, highly recommend going up to the PS5 um, edition of the game. Okay, so that is The Ghost of Tsushima. Director's Cut, it's available now. 70 quid on PS4 or 80 quid on the PS5. Um, just in terms of other gaming news, John, uh, what can we expect over the next week or so? Yeah, so there is a lot happening. I think just even just this week, Call of Duty finally sh- kind of showed their har- showed their cards. They had the, the brand new Call of Duty Vanguard set in World War Two. So that's going to be taking on Battlefield 2042. So these are the two like the heavyweights in the gaming world when it comes to kind of like first person shooter online competitive sh- gaming. Um, you know, this is going to be a big Christmas, and we've got Halo. Obviously, we've mentioned a good few times before. Halo Infinite is launching this Christmas too. So you can have three of the biggest kind of first person shooter titles kind of going head to head for people's time, money, and attention. We have next week Gamescom. Um, we, we talked about E3 before, kind of being digital this year back in June. That's one of the biggest in the world. Gamescom is big, if not is as big, if not bigger, happening in Cologne next week. So you're going to have all the biggest game developers in the world attending. You're going to have Xbox, you're going to have Activision, you're going to have EA. All these guys are going to be there to show their wares. And they're going to have an opening night live, I think is kicking off on Wednesday next week, if I'm correct. So anyone that's interested, keep an eye out for Gamescom and all these amazing trailers that you're going to see from new titles from 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 now till Christmas and onwards. Brilliant. Well, we might check in with you after all that comes out. But you can, of course, catch all of John's first impressions and reviews on theeffect.net. Uh, John Riley, thanks so much for joining us here on Tech Talk. Thanks, Jess. Tech Talk. Tech Talk. Rate and subscribe. Tech Talk at Newstalk.com is the email address, as ever, if you want to get in touch, or you'll find me on Twitter at Jess Kelly NT. If you didn't know already, we have a video series called Tech Bytes that you can now watch and subscribe to on YouTube. Just go to uh, YouTube, search for News Talk, hit subscribe and new episodes of Tech Bytes will land in your feed every two weeks. In recent weeks, we've talked about the iPad Air versus the iPad Pro 2021. Uh, We also have done a video 
looking at what you need to consider if you are buying a new laptop for school or college. Uh, those two episodes are up now. The next episode will be arriving very, very soon. So do make sure you search for News Talk on YouTube and hit subscribe. Now, one of the Irish companies that I always rave about because I'm a huge fan of what they do in the agri-tech space is Dairy Master and I'm delighted to say that Brida Flaherty who is the organizational development manager at Dairy Master joins me now. Uh, Brida you're very welcome to the show. I have interviewed uh, members of your team quite a lot over the last number of years. I've even been down to your very impressive plant in Kerry but for those who don't know can you just give us a bit of a, a breakdown of who and what uh, Dairy Master is. Okay it's, it's based in Causeway in North Kerry um, it's a rural, you know, uh, part of the country. Uh, we're employing, I suppose. Uh, sorry, I suppose it started off in 1968, Ned Harty, when he founded the company, and we're 53 years in existence at this stage. Um, and it's grown from a very, very small, you know, maybe one person outfit to we now, as you said, having close to, to 400 people. Um, it's a, a massive facility, all in under one roof. So from you know, from uh, design to manufacture, everything is done virtually in-house. So there's a massive amount of, of you know, different functions, different uh, technologies, different machines, different equipment. Um, we have something like 13 different production departments. So it might give you a little feel for, for the variety that's there. So we do everything from start to finish. And we also obviously then have people that will work outside of the plant, be it insulation people, be it salespeople, service uh, engineers, whatever. And we cater for the national market and the international market as well. So we have um, uh, customers in over 40 countries worldwide. And the, I suppose the, we have bases as well then in the UK, in the USA, in Germany and the Netherlands. So it's it's an incredible operation. Um, the the report that I did a number of years ago down with yourselves was all about uh, this what I call the, the wearable for cows and the innovation that goes on on site is just incredible because it's a huge plant, and as you've listed there, you know all the different operations uh, take place. Can you talk to me a little bit about the innovation that goes on? I know the National Ploughing Championships, uh, which unfortunately isn't going ahead again this year, but that's usually a great occasion for you guys to showcase what you do and highlight that brilliant innovation. Uh, I suppose we have a substantial amount of engineers right across the board, anything up to between 60 and 70 engineers, if you talk about software engineers, um, research and development engineers, um, specifically our design uh, engineers, you know, that, that work on the both the design side and the manufacturing side as well. Aside as well, so that there's they're constantly, you know, working on improving our existing products range to the market, which is five key areas, and constantly then looking at, uh, you know, new options and new ways of of improving, making things smarter and faster and, and more efficient uh, and meeting the actual needs of our uh, our market is growing and uh, our customers, are, you know, constantly are looking for ways of uh, streamlining, we'll say, the labour-intensive part of their businesses and uh, giving them more family time. So it's all about, you know, having uh, a product that's, that's going to save time, save mm. energy and be environmentally friendly as well. Um, and give you the data as you spoke about the, the, the you know the health, the health and fertility 
unit, like as we call it, the Fitbit for the cow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that in itself is is is, is a fantastic. Um, you know, data that comes back to the farmer in relation to his cow and and her fertility and her health as well. More importantly, her health. The the, so, the the different products that you've had, as you mentioned there, the company Dairy Master has been around for a long time, but the technology continues to get smarter. So is that sense of innovation that we've spoken about constantly evolving? And are you listening to what your customers are looking for and how to kick that data to the next level so that they can get those insights and be more productive on their farms? Oh, certainly. There's, there's a huge, as I said, you know, if, if you talk about more... You know, other manufacturing sites and stuff, they certainly wouldn't have next near the the engineering and expertise you know that that we have in in house. They are constantly, constantly, as I said, looking at you know how they can innovate, how they can improve the product, how they can make it better and 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 and, and more efficient. Uh, that's going on every day of the week. And the fact that we have everything in house, they have the exposure to you know you're not just coming up with a concept on your own PC. Uh, and then, you know, this, deciding that, well, this is it and this is the way it's going to work because you can drop down into the production areas or you can drop out on the site and see exactly, will it fit, will it work, or is this an idea that actually is going to fly and is, is going to create benefit and and, and uh, improvement for the actual farmer and for the animals as well. Mm. Is a, you know, is it a safer product? But the, the, we've constantly huge amount of project teams you know, that th- there's an, quite a number of them right across the board every day of the week working on specific new ideas. Now, look, we can't go into the detail of what they're working on, but they're they're constantly at this. That there's, as I say, quite a substantial number of um, people employed specifically on the you know the R and D side, mm. um, and our own existing people that support, we'll say, technical support. They're constantly working on the R&D side as well, you know, to, to, to guide and direct, the, be it a software engineer, be it a design engineer on, you know, how to make this the, 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 the best product going. Uh, you have recently announced that you have 40 new jobs to offer to people if they want to come and be part of this uh, incredible company that continues to go from strength to strength. What sort of roles are you hiring for at the moment? They're quite varied, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, it, it's right across the board. Um, if we look at the production side alone, you know, we're looking at welders for our, we have state-of-the-art robotic welding, both laser welding and MIG welding. And, um, you know, the, again, as I said, it's state-of-the-art. The technology that's there is, is absolutely phenomenal. And we're looking for people to, to you know, operate those machines to program those machines if they have the programming and if they don't we put them on training courses to, to, to be able to program. We're looking for um, traditional welders in TIG welding and MIG welding because again we do the, the mild steel side and we do the, the actual stainless steel side as well of it. These laser operators again state of the art equipment in there. We have a number of um, tube laser machines. We have bend masters who actually, they actually again robotically
Sydney skills, you know, as you know, there's, there's, there's jobs there for, for quite a substantial amount of people. If we look at the engineering side, then, you know, again, we have a variety on software alone. You're looking at, you know, embedded people with uh, embedded systems, uh, mobile app development, electronic uh, engineers, cloud computing, robotic and vision systems. Um, on the design side, we're looking at electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, uh, building and civil engineering background people, um, data scientists. We're looking for um, graphic designers, uh, digital media specialists, senior financial accountant with purchasing and uh, specialist and a supply chain specialist and a planning person as well. So, you know, you go right across the board, mm -hmm. right across each of the departments, and there's, there's opportunities there a huge amount of engineering opportunities as well. Are all the roles going to be on site in Kerry? They, you know, some of them, it, it's practical to, to, to have some um, maybe working remotely. There's opportunities there for some people, you know, maybe on, 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 like our software engineers currently are working remotely. <clears throat> but other roles definitely have to be on site. You know, there's, there's no getting away from it. You have to be in the manufacturing area or environment or interacting with the that. There are some then that probably would be a, a mixture of maybe some on-site and some work on-site, on, on you know, an off-site, I should say. Um, so it's a mixture, to be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for those who are, you know, considering putting their CV forwards, putting themselves forward, what's the, I'm sure it varies from, from um, job to job, but are there any um, entry-level jobs or are they all um, experience required? There's absolutely, we, we cater for every, you know, every different, yeah, you're going to people straight out of school or college. And we will look at them for, you know, to, to go to a department. We don't pigeonhole people either. We'll allow them to, you know, to move across different areas and departments uh, if they're not happy or if they're not, they see that, you know, this is an area not for me or I prefer an area over there. Um, you can have, we give apprenticeships to, to, to people. We, we sponsor their apprenticeships in a quite a variety of different apprenticeships. Uh, that there's a whole string of them there as well. So we'll support them in that. Some people want or would like to go on training programs, say, the robotic welding. We'll look at programs, training programs, to give them a qualification in a specific discipline. So if they're coming straight out of college, or then we look at trainee graduate programs. And again, we give them a three, four-month rotation in the different departments. That's going to give them the, you know, the exposure to our products, to our process, and to our whole in the working environment. And to, you know, a taste of what's actually, you know, the the, the products that we're making and what's required out there. So they then can go, say, these training, the graduate training programs. They can go then maybe end up as a design engineer, or as a, you know, a technical products specialist on the technical side, or a service engineer, or whatever, or maybe go to sales. So we we take people and we train them if they don't have training, if they don't have a skill or a qualification, if they have a qualification then we'll, we'll, we'll give them a role. And again, train them where there ever is, where, where there's a, a deficit in, in, in any particular key skill or, or, or you know, knowledge or experience. Mm -hmm. So th there's a huge array of stuff happening because everything is in, in under the one roof. You know, you have a massive variety of, of, of stuff going on and we don't pigeonhole people. If, if you come in as a, an electrician, a qualified electrician, and you want to go as a service engineer, we'll support you in, in, in doing that if it's the right thing, you know, for you and the business. 
If people want to put themselves forward, uh, where can they apply? They can reply with the CV on an application form to uh, recruit at dairymaster.com. Recruit at dairymaster.com. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us here on Tech Talk. Lovely, perfect. Thank you very much indeed. And that is all we have time for this week. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back in full up on newstalk.com or on the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. John Friday's up next here on Newstalk. I'll chat to you next week.